All right, will you please open your Bibles with me to Mark chapter 4. Mark 4, we're going to begin, uh, begin reading at verse number 1. And will you stand with me this morning for the reading of God's Word? Mark 4, verse 1. And he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into the boat and sat in it on the sea. And the whole crowd was beside the sea on the land, and he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out to sow. And as he sowed, some seed fell along the path, and the birds came and devoured it. Other seed fell on rocky ground where it did not have much soil, and immediately it sprang up since it had no depth of soil, and when the sun rose it was scorched, and since it had no root it withered away. Other seed fell among thorns, and the thorns grew up and choked it, and it yielded no grain. And other seeds fell into good soil and produced grain growing up and increasing and yielding thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. And he said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand lest they should turn and be forgiven. And he said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all parables? The sower sows the word, and these are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and takes away the, the word that is sown in them. And these are the, the ones sown on rocky ground, the ones when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy, and they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. Then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among the thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of this world, and the deceitfulness of riches, and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word, and it proves unfruitful. But those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word and accept it and bear fruit thirtyfold and sixtyfold and a hundredfold. Father, we ask your blessing upon this reading of your word. God, by your Holy Spirit, illuminate our hearts to the meaning of this text. And by your Holy Spirit, transform those hearts into the image of Christ. We ask it in his name. Amen. You may be seated. Have you ever wondered why, why some people respond positively to the gospel and others don't? You ever given that any thought? Why do some people respond positively to the gospel but others don't? Do not the me the message that 
man is a sinner who needs to repent and trust in the person and work of the Lord Jesus Christ goes to some and they receive it as truth and respond in faith. But the same message goes to others and they either outright reject it or just walk away indifferently. You ever wondered why that is? You see, everyone here this morning and everyone watching online will respond to the message of the gospel differently. Some may rejoice in the truth preached. Others, not so much. They may think, what a closed-minded message that Jesus is the only way to eternal life. What about all those sincere, basically good people who have never heard of Jesus? Or those who were born into another religion? I mean, Jesus loves everyone the same, right? So to them, I'm just another extreme fundamentalist who thinks my truth is the only truth. Others will be convicted of their sin and they will flee to Christ in repentance and faith. Others, perhaps even in this room this morning, will be indifferent to the word preached and they will leave thinking, perhaps another day, but not today. Friends, have you ever wondered why you responded positively to the gospel, but maybe members of your own family have not? Is it because you have a, high, a higher IQ, a greater intellect? Is it because you are wiser or more righteous than those who reject the gospel? Why all the different responses to the same message? Well, enter with me into the parable of the sower and discover the answer to that question, my friends. Outside of the Sermon on the Mount and the parable of the prodigal son, the parable of the sower is probably one of the most recognized teachings of Jesus. And Mark uses this parable as his first major and really one of his only blocks of extended teaching of Jesus in the entire Gospel of Mark. There are a couple of places in Mark where he goes into an extended section of teaching, but not, not many. This is the first and really one of the major ones, if not the major extended block of teaching in the Gospel of Mark. Mostly Mark is a very fast-paced account of the life of Jesus that is accented by short highlights of his teaching. But here in chapter 4, Mark wants to introduce us to Christ the teacher. And so three times in the first two verses, he says that Jesus was teaching. And the sequence of events is important here. At the end of chapter 3, last week, we met three groups. The family of Jesus, who was embarrassed by him. <laughs> the religious leaders, who said that he was demon-possessed and the small crowd of disciples gathered there in his house, sitting at his feet, listening to his teaching. This is a posture of submission to his lordship. Three groups. Three vastly different responses to Christ 
And now in chapter 4, Mark is going to show us why each group responded the way they did by presenting his readers the parable of the sower. First century Israel was an agrarian society, meaning that farming and agriculture was its primary economy. So the language of sowing, reaping, planting seed, harvesting, bearing fruit that is used in this parable was clear to Christ's original audience. So let's do our best this morning to leave Pennsville and join this very large crowd that Mark describes in verse number one on the shore of the Sea of Galilee and look at this parable by way of three main ideas that are in your bulletin on the insert and perhaps discover ourselves here in this passage and by the grace of the Holy Spirit respond to Christ rightly. The first thing we see is the truth of Christ is concealed in mystery to unbelievers. Think about that for a moment. We often think of unbelievers as just blank slates. And then the word goes and they choose to reject or accept. That's not exactly true, brothers and sisters. We're not blank slates. We're fallen sinners deeply depraved, completely, totally depraved, doesn't mean that we are as bad as we could be, simply means that every part of our being is touched, infected by our fallenness. And the truth of Christ is concealed in mystery to those who do not believe. Look at verse 1. Again, he began to teach beside the sea, and a very large crowd gathered about him so that he got into a boat and sat in it on the sea. Put the picture in your mind. The whole crowd was, was beside the sea on the land. By the way, the sea here is not really a, a sea. It's the Sea of Galilee. It's a, a, a very large lake. And he was teaching them many things in parables, and in his teaching he said to them, Listen, behold, a sower went out, to sow. Christ speaks to us here with two important words in verse 3. Listen and behold, which means essentially see in the original language. That's what it means to behold. See. These are attention getters. Much as is as if when when I want to say something that is critically important to my children, I will get down on their level. And I will say to them, look at me in the eyes and listen. Sometimes I'll even take my hands and position their eyes and their face looking directly at me. That is what Christ is doing here. Listen and see what I'm about to say. And then he tells a story about a farmer who sows his seed in four different types of soils, along the path, the rocky ground, among the thorns, and then finally, in good soil. The picture here, as Jesus would later explain to his disciples, is that Christ is the sower. He is the one who's throwing the seed. The seed is the message of his kingdom, and the soils are the hearts of men. 
Now, in this very large crowd gathered on the shore, while Jesus is in the boat, he knows that all four soil types or heart conditions are present. Yet, like the farmer who throws his seed out indiscriminately, Jesus shares the message. He's preaching here. He's teaching. He shares it with everyone gathered, but then he says something in verse number 9 that changes everything. In fact, the entire application of the parable itself hinges on verse number 9. Look at it with me. He said, He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Now this statement has a double meaning. Number one, it is a call to listen and obey. The Greek word obey, the verb obey, literally means hyper-hearing. In other words, rightly hearing the truth of Christ means responding in obedience. You can't hear and walk away. You didn't really hear if you do that. Secondly, this phrase, this statement, he who has ears to hear, let him hear, is an acknowledgement that while everyone has ears, not everyone has ears to hear. And so in this large crowd listening to Christ, there were four heart conditions. The, the path, the rocky, the thorny, and the fruitful. And only the fruitful proved to be those with ears to hear. We read it this morning in John 15. Bear much fruit and so prove to be what? My disciples. Only the fruitful proved to be those with ears to hear. The rest were unbelievers who did not have ears to hear. So the seed of the truth of Christ and his gospel fell upon their sinful, unbelieving hearts, and it remained concealed to them in mystery. They did not understand what he was saying. Okay? And friends, unbelievers today, just the same, do not understand the message of the gospel any more than the unbelievers in this Galilean crowd understood what, was, what Jesus was saying in this parable. Indeed, both then and now, the idea that mankind is sinful, separated from a holy God, and who will die in his sin under the wrath of that holy God unless he turns from his sin and puts his faith in the Lord Jesus Christ, that idea is ridiculous to those who don't believe. We're not blank slates. 1 Corinthians 1.18 says the word of the cross is folly, foolishness to those who are perishing. And this parable is teaching us that unbelievers who respond to the gospel, and remember the original question, why do some respond one way, others respond another way? This parable is teaching us that unbelievers who respond to the gospel in rejection and ridicule do so because they do not have ears to hear. 
And so then the million dollar question that's probably going through your mind is, if not everyone has ears to hear, which means to, again, respond to the message of Christ in faith and obedience, if not everyone has these kinds of ears, then how do we get them? Let's find out in our second main heading in this parable, which is that the truth of Christ is revealed in clarity to believers. It's no longer concealed in mystery, but now it is revealed in clarity, but not to everyone, to believers. Look at verse 10. And when he was alone, those around him with the twelve asked him about the parables. And he said to them, To you it has been given the secret of the kingdom of God. To you. But for those outside, everything is in parables, so that they may indeed see but not perceive, and may indeed hear but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. Now, we need to let that text marinate on our hearts for a few months. This is heavy truth right here. And Mark is now taking us away from the lakeside. He's taking us away from the crowd to when Jesus was alone with a group of disciples, including the twelve. Notice that there were more than just the twelve there. The twelve were there. But there were other disciples there as well. And here, Jesus reveals in clarity to those who did have ears to hear what he concealed in mystery to those who did not have ears to hear. And the key phrase is in verse 11. To you it has been given to know the secret of the kingdom. To you the secret of the kingdom is given. Not to those outside. Not to the crowds of unbelievers. So friends, the parable of the sower then is about this, how the kingdom of God has come to earth in the person and in the work of Jesus Christ and only those to whom God in His grace has given ears to hear understand Christ and responded to Him, respond to Him in faith and obedience. You see, friends, we have to be given ears to hear. We have to be given eyes to see. We have to be given hearts to believe or we will never believe on Christ. Friends, if you believe on the Lord Jesus Christ here this morning, it is because God has granted that to you. He has granted you a heart to look on His Son, not with rejection and ridicule, but with love and embrace. And the jarring message of the parable of the sower is that these hearts, these ears, if you will, these eyes, they are not given to everyone. And as troubling as it is for many of us to accept that, this is the testimony of Scripture, that unless the Lord gives us hearts to respond to the truth in faith and obedience, then we simply won't. Let me give you a couple of texts. 
I want you to write these down in your notes and go home and study them further. Deuteronomy chapter 29, beginning at verse number 2. Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, I want you to be I want you to pay close attention to the language. Moses summoned all Israel and said to them, You have seen all that the Lord did before your eyes in the land of Egypt, to Pharaoh and to all his servants and to all his land, the great trials that your eyes saw the signs, and those great wonders. And here it is. But to this day, Moses says, the Lord has not given you a heart to understand or eyes to see or what? Ears to hear. Moses looks at this stubborn people 40 years in the wilderness and says, You've seen what God did, but you can't understand it because the Lord to this day has not given you eyes to see, heart to understand, or ears to hear. Friends, this passage is directly connected to the truth being taught right here in the parable of the sower. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Text number two is another one for you. John chapter 6, verses uh, 63 to 65. Please write this down. John 6, 63. It is the Spirit who gives life. The flesh is no help at all. I think the King James Version says no profit. I I like that. The flesh is of no profit. There's no help at all. The Spirit gives life. Just as Jesus speaking, the words that I have spoken to you, they are spirit and life. Verse 64, but there are some of you who do not believe. I want you to track the logic of the Lord Jesus here. The Spirit gives life. The flesh is no help at all. It's not about your intellect. It's not about your intelligence. It's not about your religious heritage. It's not your ability to understand the Spirit who gives life, the words that I have spoken to you are spirit and life, but there are some of you who do not believe, Jesus says. Then John inserts a little little commentary. He says, For Jesus knew from the beginning who those were who did not believe and who it was who would betray him. End of commentary. Verse 65, And he said, This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him by my Father. I want to read that again. There are some of you here who do not believe, Jesus said. This is why I told you that no one can come to me unless it is granted him, granted to him by my Father. Friends, if you want to see the parable of the sower illustrated to perfection, read John chapter 6. 
all 71 verses. It is the parable of the sower on full display. Why do, do some people believe and other people do not? And at the very end of it, Jesus makes it very clear, you cannot believe unless it is granted to you by my Father to believe. Like the Israelites who couldn't see the salvation of the Lord because he had not given them eyes to see it, Jesus, who says we cannot come to him unless it has been granted to us by his Father, so it is with the parable of the sower. Unless God gives us ears to hear, then we will never perceive the truth of Christ in the gospel and, re and respond to f in faith. Here's the mystery. Here's the mystery. God commands us to hear, but we can't unless he gives us ears to hear. He commands us to see, but we can't unless He gives us eyes to see. He commands us to believe, but we can't unless He gives us hearts to believe. But yet, we are responsible for our unbelief. And friends, it is not enough just to chalk it up, to say, well, yeah, but we, we have free will. We can't chalk this whole mystery up to free will, okay? Here's why. The shocking claims of these texts, and indeed the parable of the sower, cannot be explained by free will because it's not our will that's the problem. Brothers and sisters, it is not our will that's the problem. It is our heart that's the problem. The desire that emerges from our heart is what motivates our will to choose this or that. It is a desire that emerges from our heart to either reject Christ in stubborn unbelief or embrace Him and submit to His Lordship. And apart from God's regenerating grace that gives us new hearts to see the truth and the treasure of Christ, the seed of His Word falls on the hard soil of our spiritually dead hearts and we are left dead in our unbelief. And in our persistent unbelief, and here's the, here's the shocking truth of this passage that should scare us. In our persistent unbelief, hearing the truth of Christ only serves to further harden our hearts. Look at verse 12 again. To you has been given the secret of the kingdom of God, but for those outside, everything is in parables. Verse 12, um, so that... This is in, in the original language we call these purpose clauses. These two little words. Anytime you see a so that in the New Testament, you better circle that. Because the writer is about to explain the purpose. Why is the, the, the mystery concealed to unbelievers, to those outside, but to those to whom God has granted ears to hear, it is revealed to them in clarity. Why? What is the purpose? Verse 12, so that they, who? Those outside they may indeed see, but not perceive. They may indeed hear, but not understand. Why? Folks, my heart is pounding just reading this text. They may indeed hear, but not understand, lest they should turn and be forgiven. 
Jesus is quoting from Isaiah chapter 6 here. I had Vaughn, Vaughn, Vaughn read it this morning in our call to worship. The first part of Isaiah 6, when the prophet encounters the, the king on his throne in all his glory, surrounded by angels. And he calls him and he atones for his sin. But Isaiah, Isaiah was called and commissioned by God as a prophet of judgment to preach the truth so that the stubborn hearts of those people would be hardened further. Jesus quotes it right here in Mark chapter 4 in the parable of the sower. You see, friends, the truth that breaks, the truth that breaks one heart hardens another. The grace, the gospel that is grace to one heart is judgment to another. This is why people respond differently to the seed that is sown. Isaiah 44, 18, write it down. They know not, nor do they discern, for he has shut their eyes so that they cannot see, and their hearts so that they cannot understand. God judges our unbelief. Friends, this is why when you sit in this church Sunday after Sunday, and God, by God's grace, if you get anything from anything I say, the gospel of Jesus is preached. When you sit in here and you watch week after week, and you, you, you leave in stubborn unbelief and resistance, you will find yourself right here with divinely shut eyes, divinely hardened hearts that cannot understand. This should scare us so that we would run to Christ this morning and plead for grace, for we each are one of the four soils. Three which cannot see Christ. <laughs> nor will not see Christ. And one that responds in faith and obedience. So finally, our last main thought from this text, to, to fill it out. Which soil are we? Which soil are we? Look down to verse number 13. And he said to them, and he's speaking here to his his own, his own people, his disciples that are gathered there with him, the twelve and the extended group. He said to them, Do you not understand this parable? How then will you understand all the parables? That phrase cannot be underestimated. Jesus says, If you don't get this, you're not going to understand anything I say. The sower, verse 14, sows the word. And these are the ones along the path. Lord, I pray that as we go through this text, that you by your Spirit 
would reveal the heart condition to every one of us in this room. Show us which soil we are. The sower sows the word. These are the ones along the path where the word is sown. When they hear, Satan immediately comes and snatches it. He takes it away. He takes away the word that was sown in them. 16, and these are the ones sown on rocky ground. The ones who, when they hear the word, immediately receive it with joy. And they have no root in themselves, but endure for a while. And then, when tribulation or persecution arises on account of the word, immediately they fall away. And others are the ones sown among thorns. They are those who hear the word. But the cares of the world and the deceitfulness of riches and the desires for other things enter in and choke the word and it proves unfruitful. Verse 20, but those that were sown on the good soil are the ones who hear the word, accept it and bear fruit. 30-fold, 60, 100-fold. What Jesus proclaimed to the crowds in public, he now explains to his disciples in private. Of course, we already know this. The sower is Christ. The seed is, is his word, and the soils are our hearts. The seed, is sown, the, the, the seed sown along the path is the stubborn heart of unbelief. Those who hear the word perhaps week after week, and even in these very pews. And then Satan comes along and snatches away the word. Perhaps he'll do it with skepticism. Or perhaps he'll do it with the protest of hard and difficult truths like the ones here. Or perhaps he'll do it with our own self-sufficiency and our own self-righteousness. Friends, don't be this soil. Don't be the path. The seed sown on rocky ground are those who for a, for a time they have an appearance of receiving the word. You see, Jesus said in verse 16, when they hear the word, immediately they receive it with joy. They seem to follow Christ. But when the Christian life turns out to, to not be what they expected, And the whole American gospel of easy believism and comfortable Christianity shows itself for the lie that it is, these hearts immediately fall away, Jesus said. Friends, don't be this soil. Ignore the message of mainstream American Christianity. Don't let it in your heart. It's not true. The Christian life is hard. And the blessings that we have are not comfort and happiness, but the all-sufficient grace of a faithful God who says that it has been granted to us. For the sake of Christ, we should not only believe, but also suffer for His sake. That's Philippians 1.29. Friends, don't be 
the rocky soil. The thorny soil is the hearts of those who cannot and who will not see the value of the gospel because of their own self-seeking pursuits. They are choked by the concerns of the worldly, man-centered life. They are deceived by the love of money. And friends, you don't have to be one of these one of these false TV preachers to be deceived by the love of money. If money dominates your thinking and your goals, and you are deceived by the love of money. These are like the rich young ruler, the rich young man in Mark 10, who walked away from Jesus sad and disheartened because he could not, he was not willing to share his riches, to take all that he had and give it to the poor as a demonstration of a changed heart. He was unwilling to do it. He was the thorny soil. Ears were not given to him to hear Friends, don't be this soil. Lastly, the good soil is the heart that has been broken up and cultivated by the grace of the Holy Spirit, the heart that responds to the message of Christ with sorrow over its own dreadful condition and sin, and it forsakes its sin, it forsakes its self-righteousness, and it flees to Christ by faith. Friends, be this Soil. And the mystery is, brothers and sisters, that though we are responsible, none of us can actually be this soil apart from the regenerating grace of the Holy Spirit. So we need a heart transplant this morning. And this is the great promise of the new covenant. Listen to... Ezekiel 36, verse 26. God says, this is God speaking. I will give you a new heart and a new spirit I will put within you. You don't do this yourself. I will put this spirit in you and I will remove the heart of stone, the dead heart of stone, the obstinate, stubborn heart of stone from your flesh, and I will give you a heart of flesh. And I will put my spirit within you and, get this, cause you to walk in my statutes. And be careful to obey my rules. Friends, this is the promise of the new covenant. And oh, this is sovereign grace on display. This heart of flesh that God gives to us is the good soil that bears the good fruit of obedience. Psalm 60. Don't be a fruit inspector. Psalm 60. 
Some 30, some 100 fold. Don't go around judging people. But a new heart of good soil means that our lives will show a definitive measure of discernible transformation as the word of God, the seed. Takes root in our new hearts and it produces a harvest of righteousness. What about you this morning? What fruit is there in your life of this new heart, of this good soil? I don't care if you've been saved for five years or 55 years. What fruit is in your life that shows this new heart of good soil? Or are we just playing the game? Just come to church, check the box, and go home living for ourselves. Friends, what is the overall trajectory of our lives? Is it, toward, is it growing toward truth? Is it growing toward holiness? Or, is, or are we going in the other direction? Do you have ears to hear this message this morning? I don't mean do you have ears. I don't mean do you understand the words that I'm saying. Do you have ears to hear, to listen, and behold Christ from the shore of this Galilean lake? And feel his word burn in your heart. Are you going to leave here rejoicing in the great truths of the parable of the sower? Or will you leave indifferent, unchanged? By God's grace, may we be changed. He who has ears to hear, let him hear. Let's pray.